Hello and welcome to the Make an Impact podcast with me, Heidi Fisher. Really, our mission is around profit for purpose. So any surpluses that we create as a business, we look at how we can replay those back into um, building stronger communities. It's too complicated to measure our impact. We don't have the resources. Nobody cares. We can't afford it. Yes, you can, and yes, you must. And in the Make an Impact podcast, Heidi Fisher explores how organisations put impact at the heart of what they do and how you can too. In today's episode, I'm talking to Julie Hayward from WHG about how creating social value is an integral part of what they do to transform communities as a profit-for-purpose housing provider. Hi, Julie. Nice to have you with me today. Hi, Heidi. So, um, Julie, can you tell me a little bit about what you do at WHG and also a little bit about what WHG is and what they do as well, please? Okay, yeah. I'm um, I'm Director of Community Investment for WHG, which is a um, housing association. So, we're a Midlands um, social landlord and we have around 21,000 homes across the Midlands. Um, so, in essence, we're providing homes people okay and um so you you said your role is um director of community investment what does that involve on a day-to-day basis uh mine's very very um people focused so it's about working um with our customers and and working in the communities that we serve and where we house our customers and looking at how we can improve Uh, our customers' lives, build strong communities because ultimately we know happy people lead to happier lives and, you know, we want people to improve their lives. So on a day-to-day basis, I've got a team of people who are supporting customers either into employment and training, looking at where we place some of our investment in communities, looking at supporting um, the local infrastructure, um, in terms of working in partnership with local organisations. Um, alongside that, we're looking at how we can create opportunities, job opportunities, both within the business and by working in partnership with others. Well, that sounds like quite a, a lot of um, areas that you cover. Um, so you've touched on quite a lot of things there that would have um, social value in them. Um, how, do, how do you see social value fits in within your role? Uh, well, I see it as a core part of my role, ultimately, because I think as housing associations, we're, you know, we're anchor organisations, you know, we're housing people often who are those greatest in need. Um, and therefore, you know, it's an integral part, really, of of our offer we are we are social organizations although we're commercially focused really our mission is around profit for purpose so any surpluses that we create as a business we look at how we can replay those back into um, building stronger communities building um, better homes um, and generally investment into the communities that we serve so um, it sounds to me like um, WHG is took a, an approach that's very much focused on investing in communities and really shifting away from the traditional model of, of simply building houses. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we're we're not just about building homes. 
you know, it sounds corny, but we're about, you know, building building people, working with our customers, because ultimately um, our business model is about our customers being, you know, paying their rent. Our rent is our core um, income stream into the business. So we know to help customers pay their rent, we need to look at how we can support them to do that. And there's a whole range of wraparound services that go around doing that. So whether it's digital or financial inclusion, helping them to manage their money, you know, whether it's about increasing their skills and confidence, support them into um, moving into the jobs market. It's all an integral part, really, of sustaining tenancies because we want customers to stay in their homes and live happy lives in their homes. So, you know, social value is an integral part of that, really. You're providing a lot of wraparound services and support and you're, you're building people rather than houses. Um, that's quite different to a lot of other housing associations and providers that are still very much focused on just building houses and don't provide that support. How do you yeah, think I mean, we, benefited sorry, you? Sorry, well, I think, I think, I think for us, as, if you look at us as a housing organisation, we manage, we own and manage around 21,000 homes. But a high percentage of those, over 19,000, are based in Warsaw. So, you know, our heart is very much in Warsaw. And other housing associations may have housing stock dispersed across quite a wide, uh, a varied area, you know, nationally or, uh, or regionally. So for us as an organisation, we evolved out of um, being a stock transfer organisation. So our ethos and commitment right from the start was about how we how we help to transform Warsaw. And yes, we are still building homes and we need to build more homes, but we're looking at how we can cross-subsidise cross um, the development of new homes and actually, you know, where we're where we're building homes for private sale, how we can cross-subsidise that that sort of subsidy into supporting more of our affordable housing building programs. So um, the two go hand in hand. You know, we don't see it as being in isolation, really, because ultimately, as I said, we want to look at how um, we can support investment in the community where, you know, which is the Warsaw community, where we have a significant amount of housing stock you know, we're a we're a key stakeholder in the area. Um, so we know through um, through our buying power and all the services that we deliver, um, as well as um, new services that we procure, we've got, you know, the not the power but the, the medium to really play a significant part in helping to transform mortal. Sounds good. Um what do you see are the biggest barriers to achieving effective social value in, in the communities where WHG's got housing? I, I think sometimes some of the, some of the biggest barriers is, is just in terms of, is in terms of translating that. Um, so as an example, you know, through our procurement policies, we build in social value requirements um, to our um, suppliers and contractors. But sometimes it's, you know, it's quite varied in terms of some of those contracts that we procure. So when we've got 
large-scale contracts for building new homes, it's quite easier to achieve it because, you know, you can create more opportunities through those larger um, contracts. I think when you're talking about smaller contracts, it's about how you translate that and how you equate it to where you need that social value to be derived. So it's not having something set in stone. It's about being a bit more flexible in terms of what we want to try and achieve. It's about having a clear plan. You know, we've got um, a community investment strategy, which has um, a number of objectives in there and what we want to deliver, where we want to deliver, how we want to how we want to deliver it, where we need to target our investment. So I think in the absence of having any of that, not having a clear, coherent plan, you know, it, it can create a barrier. But I think the other thing is in terms of supporting local businesses to grow, it's how how we support and nurture those to become part of the what I would call the WHG family, the WHG supply chain. Um, because ultimately, sometimes there are things that we cannot do um, to relax some of the requirements um, around procuring OGU contracts, EU contracts as such. So it's looking at where we can provide the right level of support, how we can connect local small businesses in with um, larger businesses, and how we can really um, influence and develop mutual relationships, really. So I think really, you know, the, the biggest barrier around that is around, you know, getting that collective will to do that um, and making sure that we're all working to the same agenda. So sometimes you'll have conflicting agendas that will smack with that. Mm-hmm. Is, and it, are the, is it um, internally how, how supportive are, are staff for, of delivering social value? I think internally within the organisation, we've um, we've invested quite a lot in terms of raising more awareness um, to colleagues within the business. We've had um, a dedicated person in post who's been delivering that role. You know, we've we've worked with contract managers who are managing our contracts to get them to understand. Um, what we need to try and achieve and working with them. You know, we've had case studies, we've promoted, you know, different things on our intranet to really showcase social value. So I think, you know, we're getting more of a buy-in internally and there is that collective will. Um, But there's still a long way to go because obviously as, as, as people change, people move into different roles, you're going through that constant refresh but I think we're in a really strong place now because we've put so much effort and resource into um, making sure that colleagues know that it is a a core commitment because it's part of our overall corporate plan so that's you know that's another um, intention is that it's it's linked right into our corporate plan there's a, a core objective about deriving social value we've got clear um, key performance indicators in terms of the level of investment that we want to um, uh, secure um, and achieve, and that's then linked to a number of um, actions that we need to deliver. So at a very senior level, um, from board level, there's a commitment and understanding of what we are trying to achieve. 
It sounds like you've been on quite a social value or community investment journey. I have. I think I, I, I personally think it's evolved. I mean, um, WHG um, was created in 2003, so we're 16 years, 16 years old today. And I think as the organisation has evolved, social value and community investment has evolved as part of that development really but for me it's it's always been there right at the start we've just brought it to life um, and I think there's been a greater understanding and awareness and I think it's actually seen some of the impact of our work so we've been able to translate that and colleagues and partners have seen the business benefits because ultimately we have to tie it into um, it really having um, a business benefit. And like I said, part of that is about generally as a housing organisation, one of our key objectives is how we can support customers to be happy, healthier in their homes. And part of that is delivering community investment and social value. So final question for you is, um, what are your plans around social value for the future at WHD? I think for us, it's about being a strong champion. I mean, we're currently looking at, there's a government consultation out at the moment on the Social Value Act. So we're looking at that and looking at um, how we may need to adopt our policy. It's about, um, you know, monitoring and measuring really um, the targets that we've set for our suppliers and making sure that we're achieving those, but also modifying them if need be, if it, you know, if it doesn't fit all round. Um, so I think for me, the, the plans around social value is around how we can create more value. And some of those things we're looking at are, is where we can create job opportunities um, through our service delivery. So rather than um, procuring a contract, can we develop something more either in-house that will create more job opportunities or can we look to bring in more small um, local enterprises into our supply chain so we know as a byproduct of that there will be more jobs created but it's about really sort of developing that sort of supportive approach really um, so I think really the, the plans around our social value for the future is to carry on doing what we're doing um, we're also looking at um, reviewing our charitable arm, we've got a subsidiary organisation within our structure, looking at reviewing that going forward, looking at whether we need to um, develop our investment strategy that's linked to that charity. Um, so it's, it's keeping abreast of things, um, understanding um, our communities, understanding where the needs are, because some of those needs do change, but ultimately it's, it's keeping ahead of the plans really. Sounds like you've got a, a busy few years ahead of you still. <laughs> I have. I mean, I'm very lucky that I've got a really, really strong team, a really committed team, and I've got the support of the organisation are clearly committed to this agenda. Lovely. So thank you, um, Judy. It's been really interesting talking to you and finding out more about what WHG are doing. Um, if anyone does want to... Um, Get in touch with Julie then I'll, her contact details will be underneath the this um, audio and Julie will I'm sure will be more than happy to share what she's doing and um, maybe learn from other organizations as well.
Yeah, I mean, one of the things we are looking at is part of, um, I sit on a number of bodies. Um, I sit on a national body called um, GUAT, which is Give Us a Chance, and I also co-chair a regional forum for housing associations who are delivering um, employment-related services. And, and I think some of the things we're looking at in the future is whether we can put on some networking events so that we can share good practice um, and also learn from good practice as well. So, you know, I'm happy to host one of those going forward. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Heidi. You've been listening to the Make an Impact podcast with me, Heidi Fisher. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review or rating? And if you'd like to be on the show, then please get in touch via my website, makeanimpactcic.co.uk. Thank you for listening.